Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm joined by Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy here on this sunny Tuesday afternoon. And a lot to talk to you about again today as uh, Auburn continues to hit the portal heavy and often. They've got a couple more portal additions to talk about today. We'll update you on where their transfer portal class now ranks. Uh, Spoiler alert, it is very high in the rankings. Uh, We'll recap, not that it will take too long, but we'll recap the national championship game last night. We spent all this time dissecting it and leading up to it, and it was over in about 15 to 20 minutes of football, and uh, we will discuss that. We'll have Justin Ferguson on at 4.30 of the Auburn Observer. We'll preview Auburn men's basketball as they get set for a date with Ole Miss in Oxford tonight, a little bit of a later night game, and uh, I'll Again, a lot to do today on uh, the show. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Brant. And also, not to throw everyone off, but we have Borgard High School basketball coming up on our airwaves after this game. So we'll be concluding our show around 5 or 5.15 today. So don't be thrown off by that. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you. Brant, we'll start with you. First show of the week for you. I hope you had a great weekend, sir. I did. I did have a very good weekend. Uh, not a very fun night last night, but uh, you know it's never fun when the final game of the year is uh, over before halftime, really. But you know that was just kind of what we were given, and we all certainly knew that was a possibility uh, going into this game. Georgia's by far the more talented team, and they showed that last night. I, I think that was a, I mean that that was kind of worst case scenario for TCU, but just certainly a, a scenario that we all thought was possible. Georgia's just that much better than TCU is, and. I, I think I heard. I think we were talking about it around the office earlier, Ryan. Uh, it, TCU and Georgia could play ten times. Georgia probably wins all ten of those games, or at least nine of those ten, and probably not by that much uh, every time. But certainly, Georgia was the better team, and they showed it off last night. And you know, good, good for them. Uh, I hate it for me, but uh, you know, I, I, I think that Kirby Smart has built a juggernaut over there, and I think that he, they expect to be uh, championship competitors year in and year out. Tom Peavy, uh, we were on the show together yesterday. We discussed that uh, we felt like most roads led to TCU losing and definitely scenarios where they would uh, get beat pretty bad. But uh, I still think 58 points qualifies as even beyond our expectations. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I had the sneaky suspicion Georgia would win that one handily, but yeah, I would, didn't imagine that. Um, so uh, the first drive when TCU went three and out, and Georgia scored. I was like, okay, not a good start. Uh, and then it progressively got worse. Now, when TCU scored their touchdown, Georgia had the busted coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU gets the long pass play, scores a touchdown. I was like, okay. They made it 10-7. Right. It. Made yeah. it 10-7. And it's like, we might have a game here. But as soon as Georgia went right back down the field and scored, I, I was like, that's over. That There's just – TCU's defense 
had had no answer. They 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 were confused. They they were TCU is already going to be um, the lesser team because Georgia is just bigger, stronger, faster across the board. That's just a simple fact of it. So TCU was going to have to out scheme Georgia in this game to do something. They 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 were lost. They they were absolutely lost on defense. They were just completely lost. Um, Georgia had their number in every sort of way, and it, and it was really genius with the way Georgia's uh, plan came to action. They knew that TCU's linebackers had a tendency to be very aggressive and get themselves caught going one way. And so, how do you do that? Well, you go, you counter it. You go counter uh, counter direction. Get everybody going left. Get those linebackers screaming aggressively to the left, and then you take the ball out to the right, and there's nobody there. They got TCU on that over and over and over again. And then when TCU finally caught on to this is what they're doing, then Georgia kept going in the direction that they would go. And so TCU was just completely lost in how to stop that offense. It was, I mean, if you're, if you're a Georgia fan, it was brilliant to watch how they just completely – dismantled anything that they had every little kind of adjustment that TCU tried to make Georgia had the perfect response to it and and, I mean putting putting two guys into a spot where there's one guy in coverage I mean just that type of stuff forcing a guy to pick you know pick your poison dude are you going to get McConkie going to the end zone or you're going to get the running back coming up out of the backfield I mean just it, it was it was silly um but, yeah, congratulations, Georgia. Yeah, and we'll spend a few minutes here talking about it because uh, we'll just kind of recap last night and then kind of, unfortunately, you know, the last game of the year, flush it and move on wow. to some other topics today. So we'll, we will start off the show with it, and then we'll have some phone calls coming up on the Auburn Make phone line in a little bit too. Uh, this was the by, – by points, this was the biggest blowout in bowl game history. This was a 65 to 7 final. That is 58 point margin. 56 had been done a handful of times including by the way this bowl season when LSU did it to Purdue. But no one has ever won a bowl game by more than 56 points until last night. So I don't know how any other way you can quantify it. This was the biggest beatdown in postseason history. Yeah. And in Probably in any sport, the biggest beatdown in a championship game in history. Yeah. I, I mean, I know there's some other blowouts. Uh, I know, like, there was a Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl that was like 43 to 8 or something uh, like that. 85 Bears versus Patriots Super Bowl was a, was a bloodbath. Sure. Um, 49ers had had a couple of bloodbath type um, Super Bowls with Montana and Rice in them. But they, they, yeah, this was just. This was just a, a boat race beat down woodshed. Every thing that you could possibly say about it is exactly what it was. Now, I want to say this. I want to go ahead and jump on this because I know it's. we'll probably have a caller, at least one, and maybe others that will say this. Alabama should have been in there, not TCU. Okay. Alabama lost twice during the regular Alabama season. Lo- Alabama did not do what they needed to do to End of discussion, get there. Yeah. They lost twice. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. Do I think that Alabama and Georgia in that championship game would have been a better game? You damn right I do. I, that would have been a hell of a game. I'd have loved to have watched it. 
but Alabama didn't do what they needed to do to get there. They lost two games. Yes, granted, one was a, a two-point conversion win and one was a field goal. I get it. You still lost. You didn't do what, you do, what needed to be done to get there. Did TCU deserve to be in the championship game? Now looking at it, no. I don't I you know, did TCU catch lightning in a bottle against Michigan? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. The, a lightning but, in a bottle, you still won the game. You still won the game. Do I think Michigan and Ohio State versus Georgia in that championship game would have been a lot better? Yeah. Uh in, in hindsight. But TCU, you can't sit there and say TCU did not do what they needed to do to get there. They did lose their championship game, but they had they'd been perfect. They had been perfect then, yeah. up then. And, and they had some other things happen for them. And then they beat Michigan. And they didn't just sneak past Michigan. They led the whole game. They led much. the whole yeah. game. They were blowing Michigan out until Michigan made a valiant comeback there. And, and they were able to uh, keep that lead from them. But, I mean, TCU, you can't sit there and go, they, oh, that's just a terrible football team that doesn't need to even be in there with Georgia. Well, no, they, they did what they were supposed to do to get there. They got to the playoffs. They beat the mighty Michigan team that they that a lot of people thought were probably going to win the national title. TCU took them out. So you can't just sit there now after this epic beatdown by Georgia and go, oh, well, TCU just didn't need to be there. They didn't belong there. It should have been Alabama just because Alabama is just Alabama and they just need to be there. Mm-hmm. No, that's crap. No, that's not how this works. So, like I said – that it's already out there. You can go on social media and find it. There's some sure. guy. There's some Mississippi State fan in front of the television. I've, at, I've seen that screaming it's, and yelling. He's like, "This is why you have to look well, so ridiculous." I'm sorry that you didn't get the game that you wanted and that you hope. What that is was a Mississippi be, State fan doing commenting on this? Yeah, seriously, but I, I mean, start Vegas, baby. It, it was yes, it was an epic blowout, but we're looking at that now because it was an epic blowout. But you know what else were you going to do? Like I said, you can't just stick Alabama in there because oh well, I just you know out of these teams. Well, let me say this: this is a discussion that we had before when the Final Four is getting picked. Do you pick them on what they have done, or do you pick them by who you think is the best team? Who do you think is the best four or who is deserving of the best four? Now, if you want to go off of just who I think the best four teams are, regardless of what happened in the season, then yes, I I would 100%. Alabama is one of the top four teams in the country. Absolutely. But that's not how you pick the final four. You pick it off on earning it. And unfortunately, Alabama lost two games. They don't get there. TCU ran the table – lost a, a a heartbreaker in their championship game to get there and then beat Michigan. So they that's that's what's crazy to me that people are trying they, to discredit. Don't tell me that you're, you're saying that didn't belong there. Michigan deserved to be there fine. Ohio State deserved to be there even though they got boat raced by Michigan fine. TCU beat Michigan. Head yeah. to head those two teams played on a neutral field and TCU won the game. Yep. They 100% deserved to be there. And I I you can argue lightning in a bottle, circumstances, Michigan didn't play well, blah, blah, whatever. Those two teams played, and TCU won the game. Yeah. That's that's the end of the discussion. And if you want to talk about Alabama, Alabama couldn't beat LSU. Georgia yeah. boat raced LSU in the SEC championship game. So you want to talk about Alabama, I, they didn't deserve to be there either. And I, 
yeah. but that but that's good, what, good on you, Tom, for getting out ahead of that. But that's what people are trying to say. Yeah. And, and it's because they're looking it's at hindsight. Good. They're yeah. hindsight on what this game turned into, which was a just a, an you know an epic disaster as far as a viewer, as far as a college football fan. Nobody really wanted. I guarantee you, the the viewership of that game dropped off dramatically at halftime because that thing was done at halftime. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you get to the you get towards the waning parts of the third quarter, and Kirk Herbstreet and uh, I, and Chris uh, Fowler, Fowler yeah. are they're just sitting up there just talking about just kind of BSing about whatever else is possibly going on. It's like the game just whatever. Well, let's talk about what cologne we're wearing today or whatever. You know, who cares about the play? Um, but that's in hindsight. We we didn't know that it was going to be like that. Nobody knew it was going to be like that. That there were some thoughts that at Georgia might win that pretty handily, but not like that. So, uh, yeah, anybody that's now going back and looking at it and saying and seeing the game for what it happened and now looking and going, well, it should have been this or it should have been that. Well, but that's just not how this works. Now, things will change because we're about what getting it up to 12 pretty yeah. soon. And 2024. 2024, you'll have 12. There's only one more season of, All right. of four teams. And so – Maybe that maybe that will weed that type of stuff out, and, and maybe that'll make some folks happy. And, and I will also say this: once you get into the twelve, and I've seen this talked about in social media, it, it is a very very real chance that you could end up with a championship game of a Final Four where there's three SEC teams in there. Very much so, because the conference is just that much better, really across the board than a lot of the conference, other conferences out there. So you know. Yeah, folks, y'all y'all want a twelve play a, a, a twelve team playoff? Well, get ready for the SEC to start owning that. Sure. Well, and and look, I've but I see I've been a big proponent of it too, just because it takes some of the opinions out of things. Like we're talking about uh, who's better and and who's deserving and who are the four best teams and that sort of thing. And a lot of that's subjective and it's just opinionated. You know, we're we're kind of discounting results on the field because if you say if you go and say now with hindsight oh tcu shouldn't have been in the playoffs well should michigan then because they didn't beat tcu Uh, and then if you say michigan shouldn't be in should ohio state have been in because they didn't beat michigan on their home field lost by three touchdowns you could do this exercise all the way down the line at some point someone's deserving of something yep uh and so i'm excited for when the playoff becomes more about uh, you know, having a lot of teams within the realm of, of margin of error. Because I'll also say this, you play, as Brant was talking about, you play this game multiple times, Georgia keeps winning it, they keep winning it. I promise you they don't win this game by 50, 58 <laughs> points every yeah. single time yeah. they play it. Georgia didn't beat anyone by 58 points this year. They beat Sanford 33 to nothing because they didn't care. Yeah. You know, and so you saw the absolute, you know how we sometimes see the, the major upset, the 1 in 100 upset, the 1 in 1,000 upset. We saw the opposite. We saw the 1 in 100 or 1 in 1,000 blowout. Yeah. We saw the worst possible blowout version of this game. We didn't see all the other versions that have this as competitive or close or that sort of thing. So Georgia clearly, clearly the better team, clearly the best team in the country. TCU clearly not on Georgia's level. But also you saw the absolute worst version of this game last night, the absolute worst it could have been. You saw Georgia kill Oregon earlier this year, forty-nine to three. That's probably the worst version of that game, or one of them. And so sometimes we get the coolest, most intense, 
version of it where it's a, a down to the last play like the Ohio State Georgia game. Sometimes you get the other side of it. Sometimes you get the worst version, the most, the least competitive yeah. version of. It. Yeah, how about Kirby Smart's uh, pregame talk to the team that leaked out? I still have not listened to that. I've heard it's it it's cannot, not safe for radio. It is yeah. not safe for radio, and it is not safe. for I imagine the not. Kirby, Kirby's tenure. never been known for a, a, a tame tongue. He, it, it will it it will fire you. Up. It fired yeah. me up. I don't. You know, I'm no longer in the georgia fandom like i used to be as a kid i was thinking about this you know the, the young kid tom would be just super excited right now but now like the older much wiser tom that thinks it's dumb to for adults to bark at each other <laughs> is just like okay yeah. whatever however listening to kirby smart's pregame thing i guess they were somebody was behind a door and had a recorder going or was in the room yeah. with a recorder going it 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 made me ready to run through a wall, but it's definitely not safe for radio. There were there were, yeah, not safe for radio, not safe for kids. It was very much R rated. Before we take our first commercial break of the show, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER9. First up on the show today, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Good, and you guys? Doing well. Doing great. Well, you know, we didn't have that Cinderella ending like we thought we'd have. You know, we talked about it yesterday. We, you know, after about four hours of ball, we find out who did what. And uh, Georgia just jumped on from the beginning and just kept scoring points, scoring points, uh, just manhandling them all the way throughout. Uh, I mean, there was no doubt Georgia was clearly a better team. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have said that uh, TCU should have been there. And, and, yeah, they should have been there. They proved last night they had no business in that game. The committee got that one wrong. You know, I'm just going to tell you. But they beat Michigan. Have Have you listened to a single second of the show so far, Anthony? Yeah, they they did beat Michigan, but they still had no business in that game. All right, they so then no business. They so results no on the field don't matter for you then. So Michigan Michigan oh. didn't deserve to be in the Final Four either. Oh, oh, oh! They had no business even playing Michigan. They had no business in the playoff period. Well, clearly they, they did. If they, they won a game. They beat, they beat Michigan. Yeah. Had no business in the playoff. You know, they barely got past. Uh, isn't Kansas State in their conference? Yeah, that's yeah, who they, they played in the Big 12 championship game. Didn't Kansas State win the conference? That Kansas State did. So TCU was undefeated up until their championship game, and Kansas State squeaked one out. I mean, it was like a heartbreaker. It was an intense game, and they lost well, one. Know, you know, that's what you get when you get teams that don't win the conference and mess around and get in a, a game that big on the biggest stage you could possibly be in. Anthony, who, who would you have put? who would you put in the Final Four? If not Alabama TCU, should, hey, Alabama should have been in that. Hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, well, they didn't win their Great stuff, Anthony. I, I'm glad we're all agreeing here. <laughs> you know, I know people uh, say, "Well, they lost to Tennessee and they lost to LSU." They only lost those two games by a total of four points, if I'm not mistaken. And it came down at the whether end. Whether you lose by fighting. one or a hundred, oh, yeah. you still oh. lost the game, Anthony. But but hold on, just a minute. Those were Southeastern Conference showdowns, old rivalries in the toughest conference you can possibly be in playing the toughest ball you could possibly play from week to week, trying to turn a man corner, and barely, barely, barely lost those games. Should have been in the should have been in the playoffs. Probably maybe would pull out the rabbit out of the hat and beat Georgia. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, Anthony, you couldn't I, beat LSU. Hey, what makes you think you could beat Georgia? Georgia hey, boat raced LSU. Hey, yeah, they played different. Uh, you know, from week. I don't know what you guys being. I know you guys are younger than I am, and probably don't know. Uh, you know, uh, Alabama LSU is usually always a close game. You know, uh, a lot of those games in the conference, those old rivals, are usually close games. Some years you have some blowouts and, and mismatches, but most times it's always a dog fight and go to the end. That's why the South Conference is as great as it is, and people love it so much here in the South. 
But uh, I tell you what, Alabama would have been a better choice for that. Not only just because, of, look at not just. I mean, I, I know they lost two games, but but hey, look at this way. But when that's the team that you root for, so you're going to defend them to put in the playoffs. They ain't necessarily got to be that, but just the way they lost those two games. It's absolutely look, that. Hey, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. And you look at their resume. Saban's been on the top of college football from the time that, that from from 2008 when he went undefeated regular season and got that thing turned around and started getting them in and playoff contention and talking this and that. They've been on a roller coaster ride ever since then. They ain't come down. I know they lost last year, uh, 2021 at Georgia, the national championship game. But before the year before that, they won it all. They've been there. He's had them there pretty much every year, except for maybe a couple years in the existence of his new playoff system. He's had them there every year for two. And then you go back to the other thing they was using, that bowl, whatever they was, whatever you want to call it. Look at, I mean, he won three championships that then. The man that won a total of seven titles in all in the last 20 years. Ain't nobody else done it better. I mean, Georgia's looking good right now. I wish they should. I mean, you know, but uh, Alabama's not done. Yeah, they'd have been a better game. Everybody knows Alabama would been a better game than TCU. So, I, listen, I, I agree. And I, I said this earlier in the show. I, I do believe that Georgia versus Alabama would have been a much better game. I personally believe that Alabama is one of the top four teams in the country. However... Alabama did not do what they needed to do to get into the top four. When the playoff committee selects those teams, you can't select your four teams and just go, well, you know what? We're just going to put Alabama in here because it's Alabama and it's Nick Saban. You, that's well, not you how that works. You, 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 have to, you have to go by the teams that earned it. TCU earned it. They earned that spot, and then they beat the crap out of Michigan. Now, Michigan did try to come back on them, but, I mean, TCU beat Michigan. What a committee picked the teams that they that earned it or whatnot, but uh, clearly TCU still ain't no business in it. They showed it, like, they showed it last night. But either way, that's the way the ball bounces with a four-team playoff. But we're going to move to 12 here the year after next. Yeah, They're going to give more people more opportunities. And, and then the we, I think we're all excited. Yeah, about and then that. we won't have to worry about it. And and you may end up because I mean, kind of the way you're talking. I mean, it, the best four teams it, it should have been Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama. As your final four teams. Well, you know what? When you get into the 12 team, you might end up with something like that. We very well may have. You know, I was telling somebody here a couple weeks ago, you very well may have four Southeast Conference teams in that top 12 at the end of the season once they start that thing. And you know what? I tell you, it's going to be a lot of people crying about that because they're going to say, well, oh, the Southeast Conference didn't got a monopoly here with four teams versus everybody. Now you got eight slots left for everybody else to fight for. And I'll tell you, at some point, they may go to 16 teams, and you're going to have maybe six teams out of the soccer conference in the playoffs. And then you got 10 spots left for everybody to fight over. But we're going to find out as they uh, expand, and I believe it will, because it's all about money now, and that's what people want. They want all the cheese and butter they can get their hands on with that milk and honey. And that's what everybody got to have nowadays. So we're going to find it out. But I still believe that uh, TCU had no business in it. It just, uh, I mean, you know, good God. That's what they put on last night, Missouri. Missouri played uh, Georgia. I watched that game. Uh, I had the privilege of being off work that particular night. And Missouri gave Georgia all Georgia wanted. Georgia very well could have lost that game to, to a team that had no business in even being that close with them. But that's just how it is in the Southeastern Conference. You never know what you get from week to week. Even Vanderbilt might mess around and, and play you close. Auburn, like, Auburn played Georgia closer. And Auburn was terrible last year. Wasn't it 0 0 at halftime? It was 0 0 in the second. They drew the score right before halftime. Right. But it was about to be 0 0 going to halftime against with Auburn versus Georgia. So there you go. Well, that's, that's what the Southern Comfort gives you. That's what it gives you year, week in and week out. That's why it's the best. That's why ESPN show you just about every 
Southeastern Conference game as that can possibly be shown. But I want to ask y'all this: uh, uh, Now, when Oklahoma and Texas coming in the, in the conference, that's going to be more matchups, more powerhouse football to see. When you guys think that they may have to have two games on Thursday night versus one ESPN, as far as uh, the Southeastern Conference is concerned. You, you're at your question. You're asking if there's going to be Thursday night you, games. You, oh, I know. They, I'm saying I may play Thursday night, but they're going to show. You know, usually they show one or whatever, but they're going to have to show more than what they've been showing. Once you get all these uh, teams coming, get these extra two teams coming in, and you got all these matchups every week. I would assume that they're going to have to show probably two games, uh, two conference games on Thursday instead of the one every now and then, like they have shown. Uh, in the past, I, I would think, you know, to be able to show all these games everybody wants to see because you can't jam-pack them all on Saturday. Well, because, I mean, because ESPN has a wide uh, array of networks, remember, SEC Network is still owned by ESPN, so there will continue to be a game or two on SEC Network. They can enlist ABC, uh, main ESPN, ESPN2. Uh, so I don't necessarily know that they will have to move uh, a game to, because, I mean, you're talking about um, during conference season, you're talking about eight SEC games uh, a weekend. And I know during non-con you'd have uh, 13, 14, 15 games. Uh, but, again, some of those they, they shove on SEC Network Plus, which they have started to do at times. Um, and, and so it's definitely for the conference games, I, I don't see them moving off of Saturdays. Okay, well, we'll 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 see what goes on, but I mean, you know, I'm like I was saying, I was thinking that they're gonna probably you know find a way to get all those games on that they had that maybe add an extra night or some or what night. I know they got all those channels and stuff, but still, everybody else got to play too now. So sure, not impossible, yeah. not impossible, but I I at least see a path for them being able to keep it as is. So we'll see what happens. Uh, well, guys, I appreciate the time and everything. Uh, what any basketball going on? Is anybody excited about or what? Yeah, uh, so obviously, you know, uh, Alabama basketball has been very good this year. They've got a big matchup with Arkansas, I believe, tomorrow. Um, Auburn's got Ole Miss tonight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still four or five ranked teams in the SEC. I did confirm that Bama at Arkansas games tomorrow night. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the SEC's still got four or five really strong basketball teams, too. Well, if Bama can keep trucking along and taking the one game at a time and knocking out two teams every week, uh you know, mess around and get around at time for tournament time and going in the conference tournament and take care of business and uh, see if we can get on in the big dance and make some noise and maybe make something happen. This could be the year that Alabama wins that national title. Bring it all home. We'll see what happens. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take really our first. We, we, we got that out of the way first. We need to take our first break of the show. Told you so. <laughs> I, said, I was like, I know we're at least going to have one oh, caller. Absolutely this. right. Absolutely right. And uh, so we will take our first break of the show now. More from the Auburn Bank phone line coming up after this. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you here. As uh, already having some uh, intense discussion on uh, the college football playoff, as it usually does evoke. This time, because TCU fell to Georgia quickly and thoroughly as they were beat down 65-7 to last night. 
Again, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. A, a lot of people patiently waiting. James and Steve hang on just a while longer for us. We've got to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. And next up on the program today... Coach from Kathleen. Coach joins us. Coach, how are you doing? Hey, Ryan, I'm good. How about you, man? Doing well. Everything beautiful in Auburn today? It is a, uh, a gorgeous, beautiful 60-degree right January day. Yeah, that's awesome. Same over here in the GA... Um, Tom Brandt, I hope y'all are doing well. I, I yes, sir. I'm I am doing as well as I can. Yeah, I hear you. Same here. Listen, it's tough being an Auburn guy in the middle of all of these dang toothless wonders over here. Sidewalk alumni of University of Georgia. Good Lord, it's crazy. Well, my uh, my sister, my sister's over. Yeah, my sister and uh, my brother-in-law are over in Milledgeville, so they're right in the middle yeah. of it all too. Well, you know, there used to be a nut house in Milledgeville. So maybe oh. there's some, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Actually, both there. of my parents worked there at Central State Hospital. Oh, wow. They weren't in the hospital. They worked at the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I was kidding, and then I realized that uh, that might not be well taken. So anyway, I tried to back out. But anyway, uh, listen, I will tell you, that guy that just called Anthony, is that was it Anthony? Is that right? Yes, that's correct. That's the most absurd bunch of crap I've ever heard in my life. I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Listen. I coached a lot of years, okay? So I, I was on some successful teams, coached some successful teams. But the fact that I went to the quarterfinals one year has not jack diddly to do with the next year. Why? Because you earn the right to be in the playoffs yep. when, you're, when you're coaching ball. Um, you know, forget me for a minute. Yeah, several years ago in the basketball deal, okay, basketball tournament, Mercer went right up the road from me. Mercer played Duke. Mercer was a 16 seed. Duke was a one. And guess what? Took Mercer did the unthinkable and beat Duke. I, JJ, bless your heart. I'm sorry if you're listening. I don't mean to bring up tough wound there, but it, it, it's a point to, to go where I'm going here. Mercer beat Duke, okay? And then Mercer got destroyed soon thereafter. At the end of the day, when and I don't remember who made it to the Final Four that year, who won the tournament, I don't even care. But the bottom line is Duke didn't get an opportunity to play for a championship that year. Why? Because they got their butts beat round one. They did not do what they had to do to get to the final game. And it's no different than the Sabanites. They got their asses beat twice this year. I don't care if it's by one point or a hundred. They lost two ball games. Now Auburn lost a half a dozen or whatever it was, but Auburn had just as much right to be in the national championship as Alabama did, which is none because Auburn didn't earn their way in there, and neither did Alabama. It's got nothing to do with last year. It's got nothing to do with the holy God of Saban. That, that that bunch worships over there. It's got nothing to do with Barefrick and Bryant, who I'm still hearing about, and he's been dead for 40-something years. You know, God bless them. They just ain't real smart. I think that's just the end of the day. They're just not real, real smart. Because anybody who thinks Alabama should have been there is, is just ridiculous. Now, all right, as... Tom said, as you guys said at the beginning of the show, which I happen to be listening to, and thought y'all did a fine job with it. Would Alabama have given Georgia a bigger fuss than TCU? Crap, yeah. I mean, you know, Auburn High School might have, 
but TCU put up zero fuss. They could, they had nothing to offer Georgia. Georgia had a whipped on offense with scheme, and they had a whip the heck out of with a, with defense with just pure personnel. And so TCU didn't stand a chance. But they earned the right to play by winning whatever New Year's Eve, whatever it was. Beaten, that's when they beat Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah, the semifinal against Michigan. Yeah, they earned the right to be there. Now, they got throttled, and they're probably not looking forward to a rematch because, as Brant said, I think, you know, if Georgia and TCU play 10 times, Georgia's going to win 10. I, I, oh, yeah. yeah. Georgia might get beat like in game eight because Georgia's just bored. But, yeah, as far as just pure talent, it ain't going to ever happen for TCU with with this year's roster. You know, it's just not going to happen. Um, and, and it just wears me out to hear it because, you know, I'm an Auburn graduate, living in Georgia now, grew up in Alabama, and now I'm just dead gum stuck. I got it from both directions. I've got it from the West, from those mouth-breathing window liquors over there, and this bunch of idiots that bark at each other over here and they just, I'm just sick, you know? I'm just hurting because I'm surrounded by stupid and I can't fix it, you know? Y'all got anything? Can I get a job over there with you guys? <laughs> I, I, dead gone. I, I, you know? Hey, you could be here in Auburn, but if you go about five minutes outside of town, you're going to be surrounded by window liquors, too. So that's just yeah, part of it. Yeah. You know, and Anthony, I mean, crap, Anthony's from Auburn, or so he says, and, you know, still spouting all that spew and all that mess. But, man, I just, oh. It's going to be a brutal time. I'm just hopeful that you freeze can make magic happen. But, dude, it's been tough. And listening to Anthony, an Alabama person, was about as bad as listening to the Georgia people crowing today. I mean, you know, I've been at work today, and and just everybody's coming in wearing their jerseys and their earrings and all of their happy, happy Georgia stuff and, you know, barking at each other in the hallway just a greeting. And I just don't get it, you know. I just I asked one day, I said, is the next thing y'all going to start sniffing each other's butt? Because <laughs> that barking stuff is just ridiculous. And yeah. I, I can just see Anthony wanting, you know, being being a part of that on a different, in a different way, but about the same mentality. So anyway, I'll let you guys go. I know James is waiting and, and Steve's aunt is waiting. And, and right now, after listening to Anthony, I can't wait to hear what, what wonderment uh, James and Steve are going to offer. So <laughs> guys, y'all have a wonderful day. Thanks for taking my call. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. We uh, appreciate that phone call. That is Coach from Kathleen on our Auburn Make Phone Line. All I can say is keep your head up over there around Georgia because, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I said, my sister's experiencing the same thing living in Milledgeville, Georgia, which is, you know, uh, it's middle Georgia, but kind of getting up there towards Athens a little bit and being a school teacher. All the teachers around her are pretty much Georgia fans. All the kids are Georgia fans. She she is definitely the outlier and. God bless her for what she's having to put up with. Yeah, I actually, uh, I went again. Home. I went home over the weekend, and uh, I was glad I got out of there a day early before all that <laughs> went down. A uh, little bit of breaking news here: uh, former Auburn and Texas A&M quarterback Zach Calzada has found his new home in the transfer portal. It is Incarnate Word is the new home Goodness for gracious. Zach Calzada. Sometimes we talk about guys not working out in big programs; they realize they need to transfer down. 
to a much smaller program. And uh, unfortunately for Zach Calzada, he the writing has been on the wall there. He needed to go take a step down. He's on his way to Incarnate Word. I will say this. A lot of people may not have heard of Incarnate Word. However, they are a very, very good FCS team. They were yeah. They were in the quarterfinals. Yeah, they, they made a run. They the made a run. I sure. think they were either in the quarterfinals. I think they may have been in the quarterfinals before they got knocked out. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, that's a school that people are going to look at and go, what? Incarnate Word, what? But you know, they're actually a really good FCS team. At least they, this year, of, they were a really good FCS team. Yeah, there have been a lot of really good players to transfer out of Incarnate Word as well. Yeah. They are they are very good at developing players. So maybe not a bad idea uh, for Zach Galsada. 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line next up. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, thank you for patiently waiting. I hope your day is good so far. It is good. It is good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy. Yeah, I, I was watching that game last night, just like many others, and I thought that TCU was actually going to pull it out. They were going to, you know, do out a, a blowout like everybody said, but I guess I, I guess the sports announcers were wrong about TCU. Well, I, I think a lot of people kind of favored Georgia to win, but I definitely don't think anyone had Georgia setting a new record for margin of, uh, of victory in a, a bowl game. So, uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people gave TCU a puncher's chance, but obviously uh, Georgia had that one wrapped up pretty quick. Yeah, as well. And then plus with the uh, site that they did it in, and uh, I think that was in uh, Los Angeles. I mean, it was. they should – they should have, like, for next year, for the national championship game, I think they should do it, like, maybe in Atlanta. So that way it could be, you know, hosting the national championship game in Atlanta next year. I think, like, 2024, if I'm looking at, at, at that correctly. I know it's in Houston next year. Uh, and uh, at the beginning, January of 2024. Atlanta is on the on the rotation, though. So Atlanta might be the year after that. Okay, so it would be like 2025 then. Yes, yes. Yeah, because I think, you know, with, with Atlanta being the the center uh, piece of college football, they had the College Football Hall of Fame. They, it, I mean, it's really going to be a really good uh, opportunity for the city of Atlanta to host in 2025 uh, the national championship game there. But when that time actually comes, I would like to see Auburn and – maybe Oregon actually playing in Atlanta as well. That would be a rematch of the uh, 2010 National Championship game. That would be very exciting. Yeah, because I would um, I would probably see like Robbie Asher meeting up with uh, Bo Nix and actually getting getting a chance to actually see both of those um, like, you know, the former Auburn Tiger that played at Auburn uh, Bo Nix and the new Auburn Tiger that's coming in in Robbie Ashford, and I would love to see a good um, rematch of, of that 2010 uh, national, the BCS National Championship game as well. And then if that happens, I would wear uh, Philip Lexenkirken's jersey uh, number as well. You know, just to you know, just to you know, just to have his jersey. You know, when I'm actually at that game as well, because he was a really, really good player for Auburn as well. Yeah, just to honor his memory, that's for sure. Uh, James, what else you got for us today? 
Well, I'm actually getting ready to watch Auburn and Ole Miss, and I have Auburn favorite to win by 27 points. Whoa, that, that'd be a blowout. Yeah, yeah 27 points starting now, and then uh, I'm just going to see what uh, Janiah, Janiah Broom, if I'm saying his name correctly. Janiah. Um, huh? Janiah. Yeah, Janiah. I'm, I'm just going to see what he's really going to do because I think – um, he reminds me of like an older NBA player from like the like the late '80s, late '90s. Actually, he reminds me of like Tim Duncan or uh, Derek Rose, Derek Rose as well. Okay, well, I, I know uh, Tim Duncan was a, at least a big guy, played in uh, the late 90s and then 2000s for the Spurs. Derrick Rose, though, uh, a little harder to sell me on that because he's a guard and a, a very athletic guard and, and that sort of thing. But definitely Jani Broom's uh, production here the last three or four games, getting some double-doubles and being Auburn's leading scorer over the, over the course of the last four or five games overall, uh, has been uh, a big help to Auburn. Yes, as well. And then with the NFL uh, wildcard um, playoffs that's coming in on uh, this weekend. I'm actually going to be looking at some teams to seeing who's going to actually uh, – what teams out there that you're looking at that's going to make it to the road to the Super Bowl this coming up February as well. And then I can just uh, list uh, four teams that I would like to see in this year's Super Bowl as well. Uh, well, uh, obviously only two make it, but what uh, what teams do you have in mind? Um, I'll probably say I'm looking at my Dallas Cowboys. I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs from the AF, from the AFC. I mean, from the no, you're right yeah, from, from the AFC. Yep. Yeah, from the AFC division. Um, I'll have to say from the NFC. I'll have to say mm, I'll probably put in Joe Burrow in there from. Uh, well, no, he's AFC, so he that is, won't yep. be. That won't be good as well. Um, I'll have to say the Detroit Lions, and um, that will be number three. And then number four would actually be the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think Buffalo's definitely got a good chance to make the Super Bowl, them and Kansas City. Unfortunately for the Lions, even though they did beat the Packers and kept the Packers out of the playoffs, the Lions did not make the playoffs. So uh, they tied with the Seahawks on record, but the Seahawks had the tiebreaker, so the Seahawks made the playoffs, not the Lions. Yeah, so if I actually get to see um, a good Super Bowl matchup, I would probably say the Dallas Cowboys meet up with the Seattle Seahawks as well. That, that would be a really good uh, matchup as well from like 19, I should say like 1983 or 84. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I have no idea on that one, but I do know that uh, I do know it's going to be tough to beat Kansas City in the AFC, and obviously the Seahawks and Cowboys both being in the NFC would have to match up before the Super Bowl. But uh, we, we will get it all underway on Saturday, and we're definitely looking forward uh, to it. All right, final thoughts for us, James, because we've got to take a commercial break here in just a minute. Um, well, actually, my final thoughts would actually be to see if Auburn, um, if the Auburn men's basketball team is going to improve this year as well and making it to the March Madness tournament coming up in March. Yeah, and you mentioned they do have Ole Miss in Oxford, Mississippi tonight. Uh, a big test for Auburn's acumen on the road. Ole Miss, not a very good basketball team, uh, but Auburn certainly needing to win one away from Neville Arena just to prove that they can win some conference road games. 
Yeah, and then I know they were talking. I know somebody was talking about Alabama uh, playing the game tomorrow. So who do they, who do they play tomorrow? Uh, Mississippi State. Uh, Alabama has a big one in Fayetteville, Arkansas, against number fifteen Arkansas tomorrow. Okay, so I do have Arkansas um, beating uh, Alabama in that game. So that would be like a seventy-seven to twenty uh, lead as well. I, I I don't know if either team's going to get a fifty-seven point lead, but I guess after last night's Georgia game, a fifty-something point lead is possible. Yeah, but it was really nice talking to you guys, and I'll talk to you all on uh, Wednesday. Enjoyed talking to you too, James War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Just a few seconds left here in the first hour. Yeah, uh, yeah, talking, to, getting some quick NFL talking there. Uh, yeah, we've got to get to that at some point. Yeah, playoffs are cranking up. You know who's who's it going to be? Uh, I. I still I, I really like the Bills in the AFC, um, and especially now with the way kind of I, I don't oh man I, I want to say you know playing for Demar and all that that kind of goes away once you're on the field, but there is something special about that and what they're doing, and plus they're just a really good team, and I guess you can't sleep on the Eagles in the NFC, but I, I think the winner of the Super Bowl is going to be out of the AFC. Whether it be the Chiefs or the Bills, yeah, uh, I think your Super Bowl winner is going to be an AFC team. I just don't think the NFC's got a team that can compete with that. Give me Chiefs versus 49ers in the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs take it. We did not have to do this quick. We uh, later on in the week <laughs> yeah. we'll definitely get yeah, to for sure. the James, NFL playoffs. James put us in that direction, right? We will break uh, break down some of those matchups and give I Super Bowl favorites. S- but thank you guys. Yeah. I could have started screaming again. Alabama did not deserve to be there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that dead horse even more. Out of time for hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, Justin Ferguson, retired Ward AMC. We'll also preview Auburn at Ole Miss. Stay tuned. One hour in the books, and as JJ Jackson would have said, we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway. What an eventful first hour. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Again, reminder, this show is not a three-hour show today. We'll end around 5 or 5.15 to set up Borgard High School basketball, first broadcast of their high school basketball season. So we're proud to bring that to you. Tim Sin and Brooks Childress will be on the call of that one. So that's coming up right after our show. So we're off the airwaves again in an hour, hour 15 minutes or so. So a lot to continue to do here 
on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. It's been a lot of fun so far. Let's keep the fun rolling. And how do we do that? Let's celebrate some birthdays. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, Jake DeLome turns 48 today. Former NFL quarterback went undrafted in the 1997 NFL draft out of southwestern Louisiana. That's Raging Cajun. No, that's Louisiana, formerly Lafayette, now Louisiana. That's I think southwestern Louisiana. I, southwestern Louisiana became Louisiana Lafayette. Let's go Cajuns. See? Oh, they're okay. I did okay. not know that. Southwest, okay. Southwestern Louisiana became Louisiana Lafayette, which is now okay. the University of Louisiana. There you go. That, I, this is one of the very few times I'm going to say what Tom used to say. I'm younger, so. <laughs> <laughs> La, La Monroe used to be Northeast Louisiana. I uh, seriously had no idea. Yep. There you go. Thank you for that, Tom. You're welcome. Uh, but, uh, all right, so Jake DeLone then went on to play for the New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, Cleveland Browns, and Houston Texans, 2005 Pro Bowl, member of the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor, holds NFL record for longest touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Would you like to take a guess how long the Super Bowl pass was? This was against the Patriots. I, uh, I'm going to say 80-something, like low 80s, 82. Dom guess? No. What, what, what was the question? Was the, this is the... Jake DeLome is responsible for the longest touchdown pass in Super Bowl history. Uh, 89 yards. Both of you guys pretty much split the difference. 85 yards uh, for Jake DeLome there. Landon Collins turns 29, current NFL safety for the New York Giants. Selected 33rd overall in the 2015 NFL Draft by the Giants out of Alabama. Also played for the Washington Commanders before returning to the Giants this year. 2016 first-team All-Pro, All-Rookie team in 2015, and also while at Alabama was the 2013 BCS National Champions. 2014 is unanimous All-American and first-team All-SEC. Glenn Robinson turns 50, former NBA small forward, selected first overall in the 1994 NBA draft by the Milwaukee Bucks out of Purdue. Also playing for the Atlanta Hawks, Philadelphia 76ers, and San Antonio Spurs. Was an NBA champion in 2005, a two-time All-Star, All-Rookie team in 1995. Was the National College Player of the Year while at Purdue in 1994. And then Frank Maholvic turns 85. I think I said that right-ish. Former NHL winger, born in Canada. Maholvic played hockey from an early age and was signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs as a youngster, making the senior squad at age 19. He played in the NHL for 21 seasons and was one of the top scorers in the league during his tenure. 15-time All-Star and six-time Stanley Cup champion. In 2017, he was named one of the top 100 hockey players of all time. His number 27 is retired by the Maple Leafs, and he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1981. Frank Maholvic turns 85 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Apparently, Tom would like to add one that yeah. we may have missed. Happy birthday to my wonderful girlfriend, Michelle. Oh, okay. There we go. So nice. nice. Happy birthday, Michelle. We're heading out to dinner tonight after the show. I gotcha. Well, then you're going to enjoy the, the shorter show time then. That's going to work right. out very well. Well, happy birthday, Michelle. And uh, those are our birthdays today. With that, let's go right back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the show today. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? 
Good, guys. Thanks for asking. And uh, Mr. Tom Peavy, uh, please, uh, for me, if you can, uh, wish uh, Michelle a very happy birthday. I will do it. All right. You guys uh, knock yourselves out tonight, but just don't get in trouble and get caught at it. <laughs> All right. So uh, about last night's game, probably the best I can come up with is the quote from their coach uh, when he said, what? We got beat like a tied-up goat. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah. Now, those are his words. Now, a gambling friend of mine uh, put a little bit more bluntly. He said, uh, they got taken to the woodshed, and then they got pistol whipped. Yeah, I think yeah. you could come up with uh, just about any saying in the book here to describe uh, the beatdown last night. I mean, we didn't get – I mean, we had a bad team this past year. We got beat 42-10. to 10. And that was at Athens. Right. Yeah. Uh, so – yeah, I think most SEC teams would probably would have played a much more competitive game, maybe except maybe, uh, excuse me, Vanderbilt. Uh, and uh, I want to commend uh, Coach, uh, I'm not sure what his real name is, uh, that came on earlier on his comments with Anthony. Uh, he was right on. And Anthony, I have this to you, man. You know, uh, I know where you're coming from. I know your, your narrative is based on the narrative of, you know, Alabama's entitled to everything because they're Alabama. And when they don't get their, you know, national championship trophy, you know, then it's god awful. Then apparently it was the refs or whoever, you know, uh, that was against them. However, Anthony, since you chose to pick or cherry pick uh, those two losses you talked about by only four points, I'll do the opposite. I'm going to cherry pick the two wins that Alabama should not have had. How about the bonehead two point uh, attempt made by Jimbo Fisher that would have they succeeded? Probably, you know, uh, you would have lost that game. All right. Uh, how about the loss by one point, or the, or the win by one point to Texas? You would have, you could have had, you should have had four losses, uh, uh, Anthony, if we're going to go uh, the logic that you use. Right, guys? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go all the way there. Obviously, the Texas A&M game, Alabama did not have Bryce Young uh, in that game. And uh, I'm not really trying to look back throughout the whole season and grayed out the wins and losses but uh, I mean yes obviously Alabama had some close wins this year as well they did not dominate uh, opponents like they had in, in a lot of their other years well I'm just pointing out you know when you try to use you know Alabama fans logics and Georgia's you know uh, you're, you're caught between a rock and a hard place or uh, as was known to be said on Big Bang between a rock and a crazy place huh. and and then that's where I'm stuck here in Baldwin County I'm stuck between um, you know deranged Alabama fans, and now even more deranged uh, you know, leg humper fans. And Jeff, um, I'm talking to you again. That was an excellent game. Uh, you beat the Stu out of a team probably that, you know, uh, again, will probably be, be just as badly. Now, no one deserves anything. you got to earn it. And that was my whole point of all of this. So, if you want to keep believing that, uh, what I call distorted kind of thinking, that's your right. You have a right to be deranged in your thinking uh, that's quite, you know, illogical, uh, Anthony. But Anthony, Alabama, our Georgia team, doesn't deserve anything. Just because they did something last year, this year is something different. So you got to earn it, okay? Not because your name brand is Alabama. Okay, I'll stop there. So uh, well, let's continue, guys, uh, with uh, there's a series I've been late in YouTube. The uh, second part of it uh, came out today from Jason Caldwell. And it's entirely, you've got to be elite to compete. 
Have you seen that uh, second part uh, column yet or read it? We have not. Okay. Well, uh, this is a really good uh, article uh, and it's regarding uh, this uh, gentleman by the name of Dave Bartu. And he apparently has done this uh, um, analytics. In fact, he worked for an insurance company. That's how he got involved in this. Uh, and then decided to go to behavioral analytics. And he looks at what are the, um, as you see, three primary factors that determine uh, championship teams. Uh, and this held true for 22 out of the past 23 national championship uh, teams. And one of the talks about today has to do with coaching. I thought this was interesting. He said, since 2000, uh, since year 2000, every single team that has won the national title started the season with an offensive and defensive coordinator in the top 45% of all offensive and defensive coordinators. How about that? He said, it would be great to have one that's elite. It would be great to have, he said, an elite guy. That's another thing he says, I'll look at. He says, is all, all the top 10 recruiters, since he looks at their coordinators. And so uh, Jason Cole asked him, where's Auburn fit in that, uh, those factors uh, that he looks at? Well, he said, as it relates to Auburn, people are going to ask where Hugh and Ron Roberts are. And he says, in our system, he says, they are both in the top 40th percentile. He says, we don't have the recruiting part yet, but we've got the coaching part. Your thoughts, guys? Comments? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, Steve. Honestly, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, I mean, you, the, you're ranking, they're ranking top forty-five percent of coordinators. I mean, okay, so you have a coordinator that's deemed to be top fifty or sixty in college football. That, there's a lot of people that qualify there. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't think you could win with coaches that are much lower than fiftieth or sixtieth. Now, there's been head coaches that ended up getting fired a year or two later that won championships, but. Uh, for the most part, yeah, you're going to need a, a good coaching staff. And a, a lot of people, if you're making 45% qualify, then a lot of people are going to qualify there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – there's going to be a lot of teams within that, that, that ranking that never succeed even. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what to, what to do with that. Well, the only reason I brought that up is because that's one of the parameters he looks at. And I was pleasantly uh, surprised. I didn't think the two uh, – as he talked about, uh, ranked in the top 40 percentile according to his uh, metrics. So I was pleasantly uh, surprised to, to see that. So I just brought that up uh, as a piece of information from the uh, series that uh, Jason Call is doing sure. uh, with this Dave Barton. All right, moving on, guys, uh, about tonight's game. You know, I appreciate and admire Coach Pearl's lack of coach speaking, his candidness, and how he, you know, will commend uh, polling coaches. However, I've read his comments about the upcoming coach tonight. Uh, Davis is his last name, right, Davis? Kermit Davis. Kermit yeah. Davis. Yeah, yeah. And I know he has a, I think it's a 4-3 and three record, uh, winning record against us. Is that right? I'll double-check that, but I know he does have some wins over Bruce Pearl. Yeah. But when he talks about it, I feel like saying, come on, uh, Coach Pearl, you know, he's not Phil Jackson. He almost makes it like he's Phil Jackson. You know, I said, wow. You know, um, he he's not that great. I mean, if he was that great, why were they – 0-3 this season. Yeah, Bruce is going to always co- constantly talk up opponents. He's always done that. It doesn't matter if they're nobody state or if they're Alabama or Kentucky. He's always going to talk up his opponent. And uh, Kermit Davis has kind of had his number at least a little bit in the past. So he's Bruce is going to stick to, to what he's done. 
I guess, I guess again, you know, if he was uh, 3-0 and in the SEC, but he's not. He's 0-3. Yeah, they played some... And he's only made the NCAA tournament once, and Bruce is still going to hype him up. It's it's what Bruce does. Yeah. It's like, you know, hey, are we talking about Phil Jackson here in the SEC? Or, or who? All right, that's a nice game. You know, the uh, line opened up at minus 3.5. It's now down to minus 1.5, right, guys? Yes, I did see that. Yep, 1.5. Yeah, so that tells me the betters are... Taking who? Ole Miss. Now, I'm not going to say what I said about the Georgia game because, as you said, Tom, anything can happen on a given night, right? That's right. All right. And, again, we have not had a big enough sample yet to see is Auburn's performance against, you know, uh, Arkansas, is that going to be the trend that we look for? Is that going to be our consistency? Or will it be the Georgia game that we're going to end up seeing more often? We don't know yet, right? Well, it's incredibly tough to win on the road, and I think Auburn proved that in both its loss to Georgia and its win over Arkansas, because Auburn is a better team talent-wise than Georgia, and it is not as talented as Arkansas, and the the results went with the home team both times. So it's incredibly difficult to win on the road, and uh, I, I think that Auburn should win this game, but I will not be shocked if they lose. Okay, so who do you see as being the key players tonight on Auburn's side for us to pull this game out? Hey, same, same as every other yeah. game, I would think. I think Wendell Green offensively and Janai Broom uh, on both ends of the floor. I think if if those two can have good games, then Auburn should win. The The best player that Ole Miss has uh, is their point guard. He's a 6'4", he's a scorer, he's the only guy on that team that averages over 10 points a game. So if Auburn can hold him in check then uh, it should be a pretty good night. I'm going to add Flanagan in there, too, because he had a really good game against Arkansas, and, yep. and we Auburn desperately, desperately needs him to get back to the Allen Flanagan that we saw two years ago. And I'm hoping that what we saw against Arkansas is is that starting to come around. But if, Al- if Flanagan struggles like we've seen, then that that's not good. So definitely Janai Broom, definitely Wendell Green, but you really want Flanagan to keep uh, progressing like he did against Arkansas. Right, I definitely I agree with you about uh, Janai Broom. Uh, I was also thinking maybe we need to see definitely um, some some improvement tonight uh, from Jalen Williams and possibly uh, KD. Yeah, it, it, you want as good a performance as you can get from all of your players for sure. And if those two have great nights, then they have great nights. They've done it before, and uh, they they are definitely capable of it. So, would love to see that for sure. Keep the score in the sixties. Is that what you think, guys, defensively? Uh, both of these teams are built on their defense. Neither team is particularly great at offense. Uh, I think it. I think a higher scoring game would benefit Auburn because I think they are a better scoring team than Arkansas is. But I, I don't know. I think if you're Auburn, you want to keep Ole Miss in the 60s while scoring in the 70s because that would mean okay. you won the game. All right. Well, you want to score more well, than the other team, whatever the final score is. Oh yeah, well, at least one more one more point. Yeah, that yep. would help. All right, uh, guys. Uh, I'm talking to you primarily uh, to yourself there, uh, Mr. Ryleboy, because you're going to be going to the Tampa Bay game, uh, the playoffs this weekend, right? I will be, yep. All right. Well, you know, Tampa Bay is a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Right. Opened as three underdog, yep. And uh, all the so-called prognosticators and uh, odds makers that I'm reading Rick and are really uh, liking uh, Tampa Bay's chances. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, for your sake – uh, they're correct on that. I didn't know this, though, about Tampa Bay. Uh, apparently, Tampa Bay's defense, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, offensive line is number one in the NFL uh, for not allowing uh, a sacks. Did you know that? 
Yeah, I saw the the quarterback pressure stat today, and I think a lot of that is because Brady and company throw it very quickly. Uh, they uh, almost to a fault at times that they release the ball so quickly they they dump it down to running backs a lot. And uh, the, the the couple of Bucks offensive linemen that truly are good and been healthy all year, like Tristan Wirfs and Shaq Mason, are known for being better pass blockers than run blockers. So uh, it's still surprising to see them number one, just just because a lot is always made of the offensive line for Tampa. But again, when you start to think about how quickly they they throw most of their passes, it, it does make some sense. Do you think for Tampa Bay to pull out this game, it needs to be low scoring game. Yeah, because Tampa only scored 30 points or more twice this year, uh, and and they have just not had a potent offense from start to finish of a game. So if you'll remember they played Dallas week one, and I think it was right and beat them 19 nothing or or something like that. It was it was low scoring 19 to three, and it, it was very low scoring. So I I think that the Bucks definitely have a path to victory, especially with Dallas struggling last week and maybe not playing their best ball. But still, I think it's understandable that Dallas is the favorite. And Dallas has more injuries than they did in the first game that Tampa beat them in, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure both sides have are, are more banged up now. Tampa's being able to get healthier, but uh, yeah, I'd have to see the full injury report for Dallas. But their their main guys are all going to be in there. Okay, well, uh, I'll be pulling uh, for you. Hope you have an enjoyable time there. I appreciate okay. it. All right, so guys, uh, I guess I'll uh, be uh, seeing tonight in my uh, chair with, uh, I guess, some Pepsi-Bismol and some Maalox and who knows what other uh, yeah. things if the game gets on. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't get out. Of, uh, but now, uh, whatever James is having, I'd love to know. Uh, right. Because when he predicted that 27-point win, uh, I said, holy crap, if that were to happen, uh, then... That would be very uh, good news. In a parallel universe, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for your time. I know my time is way up. I look, I look forward to hearing... This is Justin Ferguson's entertaining comments, as always. So until uh, tomorrow, guys, have a safe afternoon. And, um, Tom, enjoy your time with uh, Miss Michelle and Peter Wright. And I will. And she says thank you. She was listening to the show when you, uh, when you wished her happy birthday, and she said thank you. Okay, well, she's more than welcome. All right, guys, have a safe afternoon. War Eagle, no matter what. War Eagle, that is retired Warrior M. Steve. Joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We have time for one more phone call here before we talk to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line, Luke from Alex City. Luke joins the program. Luke, how are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I'll be really quick. Um, You know, a couple things. First of all, I think it's fine. Alabama doesn't get in. Alabama fan, but obviously, uh, you know, they do have two losses. And if that's going to be one of the criteria that you – if you have two losses, you're out. No matter you know how you lose, so be it. Then I think um, they also ought to factor. It. That means they're probably not factoring strength of schedule, which again is fine. But I think what that's going to do is make it so there's really no incentive to play very tough games. And uh, you know, next year, for instance, Georgia, who has clearly deserved the championship this year, their, their toughest game is UAB. Uh, their toughest non-conference game, and that's. That's almost embarrassing. I mean, that should dock them some points later on. But if they're just going to go by wins and losses, then it probably won't. Uh, that's my first point. My second point is, look, the, I don't think they necessarily got the four teams wrong, even though, I mean, now I think we can all say TCU probably didn't need to be in there. But they probably didn't get them wrong. But where the committee really screwed up, why is TCU a three-seed? That's, what, that's, the, that's what's really horrible about this. The best game far and away, was the Georgia-Ohio State game. 
that's the game we all probably deserved. That was the national championship game. And I think had Ohio State played Michigan again, especially considering how stupidly Michigan played in that semifinal game, Ohio State would have won. And then we would have gotten Georgia-Ohio State in uh, L.A. with Ohio State having a quarterback who is from uh, that area, at least from California. So maybe that would have added a little bit of spark to the whole thing. Instead, we get uh, TCU in Georgia because they very erroneously put TCU at the three seed. Neither Ohio State nor TCU won their conference championship. So that, that the tiebreaker should have been, okay, who do we think would win a game between these two? And I think most everybody would have said, clearly, Ohio State. And if that's the case, it should be Michigan-Ohio State. But they just didn't want to make uh, a Michigan-Ohio State semifinal game for whatever reason. I, I don't know why that is an issue, but they do the same thing in the NCAA basketball tournament. They, they either put a team in, in a different bracket or a different seed because of logistics or because of they don't want a rematch or whatever. And frankly, none of that should really matter. If you really just want to, if you're going to have uh, the four teams that you choose, then at least seed them honestly. That that would be the one thing. And then I think you could have alleviated this the god awfulest national championship game we've ever seen. Sure, and and look, we know that they have always tried to avoid uh, these rematches. And as you mentioned, that's certainly a they have very strict rules about when you can play someone that you've played either once or twice in regular season. And I, I think that if they if they had seen a very close Ohio State Michigan game, I, I think the fact that Michigan went into Columbus and won by three scores, I think that played into the mindset of do we really want that one again and I'm with you that I think everyone could see that Ohio State would be uh, you know should be a higher ranked team coming in the playoffs that they were a better team despite that loss Uh, but unfortunately that's just going to be how they how they seed that and uh, trying to avoid the rematch unless the two teams earn the rematch so uh, I'm with you that I think coming into it that Ohio State would have been um, definitely preferable as the three and TCU as the four, uh, and unfortunately it did not work out that way. Well, the other thing I was going to say, and I, I would I would almost be willing to bet a lot of money that whoever the guy the the people that put those teams together did not think that TCU would beat Michigan. I I just, I just don't believe that. Um, That's possible too. And so I, I think when they were looking at that schedule, the, the rematch between Ohio State and Michigan was something they did not want to put right after the game that they had already played. And so you put TCU-Michigan together, you put Georgia-Ohio State over there, and I think that they really thought Michigan would handle business against TCU, get to the title game, and then it would either be Georgia or the rematch of, of the big one. Either way, it's a win-win. But Michigan didn't take care of business. But but I guess going that route, you do take the risk of TCU beating Michigan. I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody thought there was much risk of TCU beating uh, Georgia outside of Lee Corso. I mean, and, and I think he just did it because they were like somebody's got to. Yeah, that. well, but, well, um, well. Here's here's the thing. Then, then in that case, then just go ahead and put Alabama in there. Because then you don't have to. Then, because then you don't have to worry about. It. And I'm not. Listen, I am not a proponent of that Alabama did not deserve to get there, but I'm just saying, 
you know, instead of, you know, if you're going to put the teams together like that and you go, well, you know, let's just assume Michigan's going to handle their business and move on. Well, if you don't want to take that risk, then go ahead and put who you legitimately think are the top four teams in the country. And, and honestly, that would be Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia. Even though and, Alabama and could, did not do anything, live, did not deserve it. That. I could live with that, but they, that's not what they want to do. They want right. to put TCU in there. And, and again, I get that. But I think if anybody who watches football is being honest with themselves and they see how many times TCU escaped, uh, shoot, they should have lost to Kansas State the first time. But you know what? Kansas State's two quarterbacks, their first string and their second string, both got hurt. So that allowed TCU to come back. Um, TCU was the benefactor of just about every bounce and every roll and every bit of luck you could possibly have. And they, they were able to stroll through a conference that's not on you know, the same area code as the FEC, and then they have a rematch with Kansas State. They play that second-string quarterback, and they can't beat them. I think you, at some point you have to be honest with yourself and say, okay, TCU will put you in because we feel like we have to. There's no other option. So, But you've got to be the four seed. And I think that's where they really screwed up. I, I mean, and I, I can see every other you know side of that, but you know, Al, they still only had one loss. And, I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. They they had just the one loss. So did Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. But, uh, you know, Ohio State had already done enough throughout the season to get there. TCU had already done enough throughout the season to get there. Uh, and the losses in their championship games didn't matter. Or for Ohio State, their, their loss to Michigan ultimately didn't matter. But that was just one loss. And, you know, everybody that's yeah, screaming I mean, about not, Alabama, I mean, they had the two. I'm not pining for Alabama to get in. I'm, I'm, All right, yeah, I'm no, I know, I know. But and here's the other thing that really bothers me, and I know it doesn't matter in Hell of Beans because the AP's sort of, I mean, it's passe. But how, or if you're PCU, how do you lose two of your last three games and you still finish number two, and one, and you lose them by a combined sixty some odd points? It, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I think we can all be honest and say, TCU isn't the second best team in the country. They're just not. They're, they're, they're maybe top ten. Um, but they feel like they had to put them there simply because they played in the championship game. And, and again, just little things like that bother me. But, um, I, I, again, the four teams, they probably got them right. But the seeding is where they really screwed up and they deprived us of God. Can you imagine if that Ohio State Georgia game had been the national championship versus a semifinal game? How much? How much more we'd be talking about this? Yeah, um, it, yeah. Okay. I, and talking about TCU being finished ranked where they are, yeah, I get it. It's just because of what they did. But no, if you put TCU in the SEC, I think they're middle. Of, they're middle of the road conference. They they lose. They would okay. lose. They would lose to Georgia. They would lose to Bama. They would lose to Tennessee probably lose to several other teams in there. I don't think that TCU would be a – they would not be a conference champion if they were in the SEC. I don't even think they would be a conference champion. Uh, well, I say I don't think. They, they would not be a conference champion in the Big Ten because I don't think they're – even though they beat Michigan, I don't think overall they're as good as Michigan or Ohio State. So and look, I don't think they're a top four team, but they did what they needed to do to, to, to get there. And, and again, just to add to this, and again, I, I want to make it clear, those are the four teams I probably would have put in there myself, even as a Bama fan. Yeah. But, you know, I think it is fair to also ask, how many teams would have gone to Tennessee that particular day and beaten Tennessee? Georgia, maybe. I don't know that anybody else would have. And Alabama, frankly, sure. should have. Um, that LSU team was really hot when Alabama played. Would TCU have gone down there? 
and won that game, I'd be, or even played within one score of them. I doubt it. No. But it is what it is, and 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 that's fine. I just I think that everybody's complaining about the wrong team, wrong thing. Uh, TCU just was misseeded, is all. Yeah, I, I certainly think you make good points there, Luke. And and again, you know, it's unfortunate because we had such a great semifinal that we're having to now have conversations again about. Uh, the, the playoff structure for this year, considering wonderful uh, first Saturday of it, but then a god-awful game last night. But uh, we've got to get to our guest, Luke. We do appreciate the phone call. All right, guys. Have a good one. That's Luke from Alex City joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take a timeout on the other side of this break. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. This is the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. <laughs> We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy. And Brent Dontry with you here. Fun show so far. We've been busy on our Auburn Bank phone line chatting it up about last night's college football playoff national championship game. Uh, We've talked about it longer than it was competitive. Uh, Let's just say that so far on the show today. Now we go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, but this time to join our favorite guest uh, here on this Tuesday afternoon. It's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, I hope you are well getting ready for a big basketball game tonight in Oxford. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty big one for Auburn just to try to keep up the momentum from what they did Saturday night against Arkansas. It was such a good win, such a bounce back win that could kind of like reset the tone for the season. Uh, but they got to do it on the road. Auburn's lost three out of their last four away from uh, Neville Arena, and uh, you know uh, Ole Miss is a very desperate team, having started zero three in SEC play. Yeah, and with this team, Justin, obviously, there was a good version of this team on the road earlier against Washington mm-hmm. a few weeks back. And, and I know that Washington is probably going to have a troublesome season overall in the Pac-12, but you got to look at a team like Ole Miss as really not being anywhere different in caliber than a team like Washington. So how can Auburn kind of forget the Georgia performance, I mean, use it to learn, but kind of reinvoke that performance they had in, in Washington? Yeah, the key is going to be taking care of the basketball. Uh, Auburn got into really bad turnover problems in the first half against Georgia and kind of put them in a hole that they couldn't get out of. Um, you know, the, the turnovers were way down against Arkansas. They only had four in each half, which is a really good number, especially against an Arkansas team that forces a ton of takeaways and they're so big and athletic. And so I think Auburn's got to keep that up because you know that uh, Kermit Davis uh, is going to draw up a lot of stuff on defense to try to create turnovers um, because – that's kind of been their, you know, their best way to score this year. Ole Miss is not a not a very efficient offensive team right now, but they can't hurt you in transition. Um, so they've got to do a a really good job of, um, of of you know taking care of the ball and not giving Ole Miss easy opportunities. I thought Auburn really really maintained their composure well against Arkansas. I think Wendell Green Jr. was a huge part of that, having a really big bounce back game, had a really rough outing against Georgia, and plays one of his best games of the season against Arkansas. He's going to have a matchup tonight uh, against an Ole Miss team that's got some really good guards. Matthew Morell, Deshaun Ruffin, uh, who was once committed to Auburn, 
um, you know, is that those guys are going to be uh, really itching to kind of get after Auburn's backcourt. And so he's got to do a really good job of taking care of the ball, but also um, just keeping it, keeping it going and, and creating for others and hitting his own shots. I think he did a really good job of that in the second half against Washington against their zone defense. Um, and so if Ole Miss tries to throw a lot of zone at Auburn, especially that kind of extending, extended pressing um, kind of zone that we've seen Ole Miss run in the past, that's going to be up to guys like Wendell Green Jr. and Trey Donaldson to take care of the ball, keep it moving, and try to try to do a good job of getting some shots up. Justin, we know how hard it is to win on the road, especially in the SEC in college basketball. So when you look at this Ole Miss team, they haven't had the best year, but – you still have to go on the road to play them. So if Auburn can't pull this game out tonight, what does that mean going forward for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think if you can't win it tonight, you have to really take advantage of your next few. I mean, the Auburn's in a stretch right now where they don't have to play a really elite team until they play Tennessee at the beginning of next month. Um, so this this schedule, like, you have four out of your next six are road games. Three of those are SEC games. Um, you need to take a couple of them. And so it would. I think it would just if they don't beat Ole Miss tonight, then you look at South Carolina LSU next week. You look at those matchups and say like you really really need to get those uh, because you're going to have to get some road wins to help out your tournament resume uh, to help out uh, where you can sit in the SEC um, because I mean right now it looks like everyone's chasing Alabama and Tennessee. Um, but what that means is especially if you've got a head to head win over Arkansas, and you don't have to play them again this year. You have an opportunity to be number three, number four team in the SEC, very realistically, that's a double buy in the SEC tournament. That's a really, really good um, you know, positioning yourself for the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, if you want Auburn, if Auburn wants to be at the, you know, the best of it, they can be and take advantage of the opportunity they have in front of them. they got to pick up wins on this, uh, on this road start. So, a uh, softer start to SEC play than what they get on the back end. Um, so, if they lose tonight against Ole Miss, it's not the end of the world because that Arkansas win helped you out a lot, uh, but I think that would make put a lot of pressure on what they got to do next week. And we've heard all about Bruce Pearl complimenting Kermit Davis. Obviously, as we've all mentioned, uh, Ole Miss has been able to beat Auburn a few times, even if they were not as good as Auburn. And, of course, that would fall under this category again tonight. Auburn clearly the better team, but in Oxford and against Kermit Davis. Why has Kermit Davis been able to kind of figure out how to slow down Bruce Pearl teams? Yeah, I mean, this goes back all the way to his time in Middle Tennessee State, and he played some really competitive games with Bruce Pearl when he was at Tennessee and at Auburn. Um, you know, is Kermit Davis is just a really good uh, X's and O's coach. Um, he has a lot of creative ways to get his, his guys a ball, a ball in their hands, uh, give them good scoring opportunities. They have a very um, kind of diverse playbook uh, that really, really, really runs uh, good stuff. And then on defense, I mean, he just – he has a pretty expansive defensive playbook as well, so he kind of finds the right formula to give you trouble. Uh, Kermit's is a really good coach, and when you you know when you spend your your career, the bulk of your career as a head coach at a place like Middle Tennessee State, you have to scheme, you have to outsmart your opponent more often than not, especially when you're trying to play up. Um, and he's done some of that at Ole Miss, and like when Ole Miss is good uh, under him, they have been able to beat some really good teams. You know, in Oxford, uh, by by throwing them out of their rhythm, and so it's just a really, really good um, X's and O's coach, um, and he seems to do a really good job when things get rolling. Hadn't been a great year for them so far. Um, you know, lost to North Alabama, lost to UCF at home, um, also you know lost three straight to start SEC play. Uh, but they're dangerous. They're dangerous. Matthew Morell is a really good scorer. Jamie Breakfield's having a great season. 
uh, the transfer from Duke from a couple of years ago. Um, so that you know, they they aren't a team to just mess around with by any means. Auburn's going to have to play a good, good, you know, too great uh, basketball game tonight in order to beat Ole Miss on the road. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, let's switch gears real quickly here and talk about this very chaotic yet successful portal cycle for Auburn. Uh, the news has just kept coming over the last 72, 96 hours. I mean, it just every day there's one to two more names in uh, coming towards Auburn. Really too many to talk about individually, Ferg, but just of these eight or nine, ten guys that they've gotten here in the last week or two, what stands out to you? Uh, it's the offensive line for sure. I mean, they've gotten three transfers on the offensive line. It's not very often that one team can go get three FBS transfers on the offensive line. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, and, and Auburn has done it. Um, and they have been able, you know, today uh, with their flip from the center from uh, ECU who was committed to Illinois, that's a big-time pickup because you needed a center. Um, you've got guards. You now have tackles, uh, you know, with Britain with a Gunner Britton and, uh, and Dylan Wade, but you don't really have a center that you can kind of feel super confident about moving forward. Um, he's played a lot of football, and uh, he's going to be one of those guys I think you can pencil in as kind of a one-and-done starter for Auburn uh, up front. Um, and then on top of that, I think they've done a good job of kind of loading in some dudes at, at key positions. Defensive line's got more big bodies, which is very, very useful. Linebacker getting to Mario Tolan is a huge, huge pickup. Um, they could probably use another linebacker if they could get one. But Tolan is a really great player, and like a lot of people thought, he was going to probably have a big role or possibly be even a starter at LSU next season, but Auburn's able to get the most out of their second chance with him. Nick Mardner, the Cincinnati wide receiver, is a really good piece just because he's experienced and big. You know, Cannon Brown is big, um, and you've got some guys with size on this team uh, at receiver, but not a ton with a lot of production. Nick Mardner was really good at Hawaii. With Marcus Davis, he was a role player last season with Cincinnati, and I think he could kind of be a good role player for Auburn this year. Uh, and then probably the most fun name they've gotten in the portal is Brian Batte, uh, the uh, running back from South Florida. He is dynamite, man. He is about 5'8", 165 pounds, one of the best big playbacks in college football this past season on a really bad USF team, uh, but with a highlight factory. Uh, ran for buck fifty against Florida. He was number one kicker turner in America, All-American last year. Um, I think he's going to give some lightning to kind of a little bit more of the thunder that you can get from Jarquez Hunter and, and you know, Jeremiah Cobb and, and what you're going to continue to develop out of Damari Austin. So really, really big pickup. They've addressed a lot of needs. Uh, and it's just become a much more balanced roster here in the last few weeks. Ferg, how quickly did you turn off the national championship game last night? <laughs> I, I watched the whole thing. Oh wow! I was, I was actually I was actually watching with other people, and so we were just. I mean, I was not at my house, so I was like, okay, well, I mean, if I'm here, I might as well just stay here. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was. You know, I now I knew it was going to turn out. Maybe not to the score line it was. But as soon as they jumped out to that 7 nothing and how it looked so easy, I was like, oh, this could get ugly. This could get really ugly. And even though TCU hit that, hit that shot and tried to come back in it, I mean, it was just never close. And it just, it just underscores just the gap, you know. Uh, TCU was ever able to overcome the gap they have, the talent gap they have with a team like Michigan, you know, by making pick sixes, hitting big plays, um, you know, really, really doing. And they had a fantastic year. And they, they should not be ashamed of what – they put out there this season um but the gap between uh, the, the the recruiting gap between tcu and michigan 
is smaller than the gap between Michigan and Georgia. So it's like you're doubling up, even more than doubling up the kind of challenge ahead, and, and it showed. And, and Georgia, you know, they have a lot of dudes out there who left it like literally all they had on the field, and uh, that's what's going to happen when a really talented team is playing at a high level like that. And look, Ferg, I know that Stetson Bennett can move, and we've underrated the kid in just about every way over the last couple of years, as it turns out. But uh, when he does, when he has like a 20 or 25-yard read option near yeah. the goal line is not touched, and that was the first touchdown of the game, I was with you. I was uh, very alarmed at that moment uh, for TCU. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, what do you have on uh, on tap here for the Observer over the next few days? Yeah, so I'm in Oxford tonight. We'll be there for the game uh, for Auburn and Ole Miss. We will have all of our post-game observations up tomorrow morning. So a deep dive into what all goes on tonight between the Tigers and the Rebels. You can get that when you wake up tomorrow morning. comes out at 6 a.m. Central Time, uh, like most of our newsletters do. Uh, go to AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. It's $6 a month or $60 a year to get a full subscription. And once you're in, you're in. Everything we write, everything we do podcast-wise, gets sent straight to your email inbox. We've got a mailbag later this week. Got a, we got more podcasts, and uh, we'll have some stuff on uh, on a transfer or two for Auburn football. Also, in the newsletter, so a whole lot of stuff. Uh, sign up there, and uh, we'll put it in your inbox pretty much every morning. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Justin, enjoy the game in Oxford tonight, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, appreciate you guys. That is Justin Ferguson again of the Auburn Observer. And as uh, as mentioned, our show was going to end around 5 o'clock today. Borgard is starting at 5 o'clock, so this will be the last segment of the show. So we have just a couple of minutes left. Quick thoughts from you guys here on what will transpire tonight between Auburn and Ole Miss. Oh. That great, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm until I can until Auburn shows me the consistency that I feel like they can win on the road. I'm gonna be hesitant to give them a win on the road right now. And then plus we've talked about how much Kermit Davis seems to give Bruce Pearl fits. So uh, I mean, even some of these best, some of these really really good teams that Auburn has had with Bruce Pearl, they have struggled at Ole Miss. So I'm just gonna say I think Ole Miss wins this game. Mm. Um, I. I don't like thinking that way, but I need to see Auburn be more consistent when it comes to playing on the road. Playing at home is great. You get the home fans and get all riled up, and hey, that's all fun and games. But, you know, when you go to Georgia and get beat, you know. I do think Georgia's better than Ole Miss. I will say that. Yeah, but, but still. I get it. I mean, I, that's I, fair. I, I need to see Auburn win some on the road before I feel confident sure. that they can go on the road and win one. I'm not as doom and gloom as Tom is. I think Auburn wins tonight, but I, I am very nervous about road games uh, because, I mean, look, I said I said it when we were talking with uh, with Steve earlier. Auburn beat Arkansas in, in Neville Arena, and Arkansas is more talented than Auburn is. And Auburn lost to Georgia, and Auburn is more talented than Georgia is. So playing on the road is so incredibly difficult. It is a matter of can Auburn keep its composure? Can they can they score? Because if Auburn can score consistently, uh, I think that they pull this thing out because I think defensively they will hold Ole Miss down. I think Auburn's going to get behind early. I think everyone will be viciously concerned. They'll be down at the half. I think they'll get mean. They'll get mad. They'll get to the rim in the second half. Ole Miss will start to make the mistakes because they are one of the two or three worst teams in the SEC. I think Auburn pulls one out in the final minutes. I think they win like 65 to 60 type of game that makes you kind of regret 
watching whatever the offense was for a while. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I, I, I get it. They might lose, but if they, I will say this: if they lose this game tonight, they're not winning more than two road games because Vandy and, and South Carolina are really the only ones that right. that are on the same level as just as a basketball team in the SEC as uh, as Ole Miss this year. We're about out of time the show, so it's time for the nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. A lot of college basketball tonight, Tuesday, Wednesday, in the midweek. Always a great time for college basketball. At 5.30 on FS1, it's Butler at St. John's. That one is on FS1. 6 o'clock on ESPN. Number 18, Wisconsin takes on Michigan State. 6 o'clock on ESPN2. It's Kentucky hosting lowly South Carolina, but Kentucky needs a team like South Carolina to play right about now. That's on ESPN2. 6 o'clock on ESPNU, number 11, Kansas State. They host Oklahoma State. And right after that on ESPNU, of course, 8 o'clock from Oxford, Mississippi, number 21, Auburn at Ole Miss. And of course, you can listen to it on our sister station, FM Talk, WQSI 93.9, 7.30 airtime for Andy Bertram and company in Oxford. That is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And uh, that will do it for the show today. This, this is what it used to be, Tom. It used to be a two-hour show. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember those days. So uh, I, I hope I'm back on here tomorrow eating crow for my prediction about Auburn basketball. We will We I will see. Just need to see. I need to feel more confidence in their consistency. Fair enough. Tom, appreciate you being on the show today. We'll see you tomorrow. Absolutely. And Brant, we appreciate you being on the show. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for having me. And we appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us today. And we appreciate all those who tuned in and the many that called in today as well. For Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy Auburn and Ole Miss tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.